0: house um, and those that are planted in his house flourish like a palm tree those that are planted in his house grow like the cedars of Lebanon who enjoyed that stuff last week about the cedars? that really like I enjoyed that not because I spoke it because that was some new stuff for me I'd looked at the palm trees in the past but I'd never looked at the cedars that was really cool some of that stuff so I figure that I want to keep looking at that because I have a firm belief that we're meant to grow where God plants us. Yeah, I, don't, I really have no issue when someone moves from one church to another church, there are seasons just in the same way our gardens have seasons. We take seedlings, we take them out of their little their little bucket pots and we put them somewhere else and eventually we we plant them and we move them around the yard so that they can grow. And in, and in fact, I think I even shared last week, if you keep something potted for long enough, even when you take it out, it'll never grow right because you've kept it there too long. We're supposed to grow where we're planted. The issue is when you just sort of getting a plant and you're planting it every week somewhere else, it's eventually going to die because it's never had an opportunity to put its roots down. It's a little bit like that when it comes to church life, I think, yeah, personally. I know there are many out there that would say you can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, there's some truth to that. You can be a Christian and not go to church. But sometimes God plants you in a place so your roots can go down. And then when you send out, like the palm tree and like the cedar, when you send out your horizontal roots and start loving on people, it's actually what keeps you upright and straight yeah so psalm 92 verses 12 to 15 reads the righteous will flourish like a palm tree they will grow like a cedar of lebanon planted in the house of the lord they will flourish in the courts of our god they will still bear fruit in old age and everybody said amen who it was a couple of weeks ago i think it was you aileen wasn't it you said that a cedar actually doesn't start to um, flower until its 50th year that's awesome i reckon that's brilliant it is If we're going to grow like a cedar, we need to know some of those little things. So when you're having a midlife crisis thinking, what have I done for God? I haven't done anything. Then we can think, ah, if I'm going to grow like a cedar, there's still time, you know? Anyway, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He's my rock and there's no wickedness in him. And so we've been looking at the trees. But the one thing about the trees that I like is they have characteristics. They have attributes things that we've been unpacking but what i want to do today is have a look at some of those attributes those characteristics because those trees are evergreens those trees are actually they're marvelous looking trees we know that the palm tree itself was used you know during the entrance jesus's entrance where it actually ushered in the glory of god they threw palm leaves down and so if we're going to flourish like a palm tree is that what it's saying is our lives will usher in the glory of god yeah I love that. I love that God uses us, frail humanity, now sons and daughters, to usher in his glory. You know, he hasn't wiped us out because of all the wrong or mistakes we've done in our past. He doesn't do that. He uses us to usher in his glory. So there's there's an anonymous quote that says, Lord, help me to bloom where I'm planted. And I I think for us as a a people, we should have that same prayer. Lord, help me to flourish. Help me to bloom where, where you've planted me. You know, if you're not growing, then ask him, why, uh, why am I stale? Why am I stagnant? Why am I not growing? Why am I not being challenged? Why aren't you cutting me, pruning me, shaping me more into the image of your son Jesus, you know? So we need to bear in mind the reality that if we're not planted, then you're probably not going to bloom. Not well, anyway. But if you are planted, then you will, you will bloom and you'll bring forth fruit even in your old age. Here's a question for us all. Why do you think so many Christians fail to flourish in life? You ever ask that? Excuse me while I take a drink from last week's water. Tastes like that. Really should update it occasionally. <laughs> My son does that. He leaves glasses of water in his room, Nathan, and I often go in to clean it up. But before I carry them out, I just I quickly drink, and he's like, "That's been there since like last week, since Sunday." It's like it's still water. On, no, you're right, Nathan. I shouldn't, have, <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have touched that. But there are times where even in our own lives, we, won't, we ask ourselves, why aren't we fl- flourishing? Why aren't the people in our lives? Why aren't they flourishing? Because the Bible, we've got promise after promise after promise that suggests that we should flourish, that we'll grow like a cedar. Yeah. John Bevere writes in his book, Honours, Reward. He says, when we are planted in the local church, we will flourish in life both now and at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm just using that quote because it fits. (laughs) It's when you're planted. So we need to make a decision to be planted, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, but to be planted where there's others that are there at the same time that are experiencing the same goodness. So for me, the truth is, when we're planted in God's house, we're God's special people, if you remember the palm tree, because the palm tree is a little bit peculiar. So a few weeks ago, I said that. If you didn't listen to any of those messages, I apologise in advance. They are online. They're on our website. um, You can get them as a podcast download for free or stream them. You can listen to them there. So the palm tree, they suggest, is a special tree, a peculiar tree, because it stands out. So you and I are supposed to stand out. We're we're different to everybody else that's around us because we're sons and daughters of the living God. And if we're different and we're flourishing, then my suggestion is that we're a standout to those that are around us. We're peculiar to those that are around us. And if we're fitting in too well with everybody else, like let's face it, we have to be out there to reach those that don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. You can't reach someone that doesn't know him unless you bring him to them, yeah? But if you're fitting in so well that you're, there's nothing different about you, then I, I'm suggesting we should all ask ourselves you know, the question. You know, um, Revelation 12, verses 12 to 13. You know, actually, skip that altogether, Sam. Don't worry about it. I've already talked about it. I don't need to go there again. If we're planted and we're flourishing, we're supposed to stand out. So the characteristics, let's just jump to the characteristics in God's house. The characteristics, I think, that make us Christians, the characteristics that people say there's something different about you. The the attributes that people just think, wow, you know, there's something about them. Because I think sometimes we don't, as a church, you don't want to tell people how to live. I hate it when my wife tells me how to live. She tells me all the time how to live what to say, how to rear the kids, how to speak to them, because I don't do it right. I don't do it like her. I don't like that. I switch off, you know? Anybody else out there the same? Yeah? If someone keeps telling you, that's not how you do it. What are you doing your shoelaces like that for? Or what? Your hair's terrible. Let me help you with that, you know? Wow, You know, nothing, not, you know? <laughs> uh, don't ever visit my place. You could be bitterly discouraged. Anyway, I... As a church, we don't want to tell people how to live, but sometimes we just need to unpack some stuff together. You know, YWAM I got a beautiful discipleship model where they, if they do a Bible study, they come together, they have a passage of Scripture, and they read it, and then somebody else will read it, and then maybe a third, or they might read the message version, and then all they want, they don't want any theological, I learnt it in Bible college answer. It's what's, what's God saying to you here, yeah? So I think sometimes as a church we need to be able to unpack stuff that we, that we can say, listen, I was sitting with the Lord and I feel like this is what he was saying so that we as a body can go away and digest that and say, oh, yeah, okay, some of that sits right. I don't know if I, I, I necessarily agree with that, but everything else is really, we need to be able to do that because we're family. I don't like everything that my mum does, but I love her dearly. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be who I am without her. And it should be the same for us in here. While we're learning to love each other, even in moments and pockets of disagreement, we're growing together in Jesus' name. Amen? So anyway, all of that for nothing. Um, If I plant an apple tree, it's going to give me an apple, unless you've grafted it with something, generally speaking. A pear tree, pears, grapevine, grapes, etc, etc. I don't have to teach the apple tree how to bear an apple, how to how to create an apple, it already knows. And if you and I are planted in God's house, if we're flourishing and we're growing the way that the Scripture suggests, then I'm suggesting that there are characteristics and his sons and daughters that will actually flow out of us naturally. So 1 Thessalonians 5 (laughs) verses 12 to 18 has a couple that I reckon that we should just look at today. And it reads, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you, over you, in the Lord and who admonish you. Some versions say respect. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everybody else, everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Jesus, amen. Sam, did you put the timer on? Because I don't have a time up there. I don't know how long I've got. That's perfect. I can keep going for an extra 30 minutes now. Thanks, Sam. So anyway, do you know one of Paul's favorite words for describing believers is brothers? And in fact, in the books of the Bible that, that he wrote, Paul uses the word brothers over 60 times. In First and Second Thessalonians, he uses it 27 times alone, just there. What's Paul doing? He's reminding us that we're family. Yeah, You've got to get this. Everything about God and, and everything he talks about, he, he uses illustrations to remind us that we're actually connected together, that we're family. He's reminding us that we're children of God. He, he, he wants us, he wants the Thessalonians, but he wants us to grow as a family, to grow as children, children that have been planted, yeah? I think often when you read that passage of scripture, people read over it and we can all do this. We read over it really quickly and think that's the role of a leader or a pastor to do all of those things that it mentions. But I actually think because he's talking to brothers, I think everything that he just spoke about is the role of a family, our role. You know, that's God's heart for all of us to work together as a team, as a family. You you see it even in Joshua verses 1 and 2 where where it's written, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So even in the Old Testament... God speaks to Joshua as a leader, and he, and he basically says, because some versions say, Get my children ready. Get my people ready. He's reminding us as we read, That was a family. Go and get the kids ready. For those parents that are here today, who got their kids ready this morning? Yeah? Before, like, I had to wake up Nathan. Nathan, it's nine. We need to go, buddy. Well, go you know, Where? Church. Yeah, yeah. I am. I am. No, no, you're not moving it. Like, we all have to do it, yeah? We, we have to get our kids ready. And constantly, God, Old and New Testament has these examples where he speaks to the leaders about the family, about their children, yeah? Because he wants us to grab hold of that. And I, I so, my my pet hate is that in so many Churches across the world, people have forgotten that we're family. And you see them splitting and there's disagreements over stuff that doesn't matter. If it's not going to build your relationship in Jesus, don't worry about it. Yeah? Like there's the crux. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. Mary was a virgin. Let's keep the black and white, black and white. And in the areas of grey, let's come to a place where we can say, you know what, I can disagree with you with that and that's okay. Yeah? Yeah? Thessalonians, Paul starts, for a family to function and function well, it's teamwork. It works better as a family, better when they share their responsibilities. Yeah? Isn't that, you would like that at home, Baz, if Ben actually decided, I think I'm just going to mow the five acres. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's how a family should work. We need to get Ben and slap him until he understands. He was supposed to be here this week. He's going to be here next week. So by that stage, everyone would have forgotten what I just said. 28. He's 28. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but a family works better. You know, when we're doing stuff together, we share the responsibilities of things. Yeah, could be anything from taking out the garbage to doing the cooking. It works better when we're sharing responsibilities. You know, when we're planted, we don't have to be told to grow Jesus' fruit. It should just happen. You know, if we're truly planted and flourishing, it'll naturally grow. And so Paul here is showing us what a family of believers looks like. And the first thing he addresses is leadership. You know, this is not because I'm the pastor, I'm going to pass over this section really quick but in first thessalonians 5 verse 12 now we ask you brothers and sisters to acknowledge those who work hard among you who care for you in the lord and who admonish you hold them in the highest regard in love as a family don't we naturally generally speaking because i know some of you have had different you know um upbringings but don't we generally speaking love our mums and dads yeah don't we generally speaking love our grandparents those that are over us yeah, that watch over us, that rear us, that grow us. It happens naturally. I don't have to tell my kids, except for that three years of adolescence, yeah, to respect me. They just know. <laughs> you know, like now once they hit 14 or 15, they begin to forget. When you're throwing them out at 18, they remember all of a sudden. Yeah. But <laughs> the point being. The family, the church family should be the same. Whether It doesn't matter the size of the church, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's someone that's serving coffee or someone that's running a Bible study, but love them and respect them, acknowledge them. You know, the King James actually, in, when it talks about acknowledge, it also uses the word respect, but it's the Greek word oida. Oida actually means have information about or to know, but the sense in this passage is to recognise merit, respect and honour. John MacArthur actually says that it means to know your pastors and leaders well enough to have an intimate appreciation for them and to respect them because of their value. Not their value to you, but their value in Christ. Yeah? Is that fair? Like, I appreciate the value that my mum and dad played in my life and the role that they play now as, you know, there are grandkids, etc. We should be the same as a church family. It's amazing that in many churches, rather than acknowledging and respecting, they would rather pull down and sledge because people don't do things the way that they would like. My mum still cooks particular things that probably not the way that I would cook them. You know, a schnitzel doesn't have to backstroke in oil. (laughs) Yeah? We live in a different age now. But I will still respect her because that's what she taught us. That's what she learnt, yeah? yeah? You know... Our leaders, it's really funny, all of our leaders, because all of us come under authority, yeah? We all come under authority. I've got a mentor, I have a counsellor that I see, there are people. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. A baker doesn't give an account for the bread that he bakes for you. The pizza maker, unless he poisons you, doesn't give an account for the pizza that he makes for you, generally speaking. They don't have to give an account for what they do for you. Yeah, the mechanic doesn't have to give an account to God for the work that he's done on his car, unless, of course, he's a, a Christian, and then absolutely. But leaders, leaders that are in your life, in whatever area, actually, Scripture tells us that they, we, have to give an account to God. That's really scary. So I think as a family, we should all respect those that are leading us in some fashion amen is that okay i'll keep moving because it's not about me but it's the way that a family should work yeah it's the way that we should do stuff together you know then paul continues he goes warn the idols warn the idol that's the lazy the ones that aren't doing much he goes warn them i love that because christians have heard that over the years but they've forgotten that we're family and so they've done it in a way that's actually ostracized people and sent them running out of the church rather than embracing their role in family. I can, I can admonish the idol by saying, you know, hey, I noticed, mean, you've got such a wonderful talent with the keys. But yet, I don't think I've seen you play much. I reckon... We should talk and, and see what you think about our worship team. You know, I'm just using a really poor example here. It could be anything. Yeah, or I could say, man, you know, you're such a good pianist. Why are you so slothful and lazy? Don't you love God? I mean, you don't do anything in the house. People always want, and that's what, that's what happens. And people run out because they're like, all they want from me is what I can give. No, we want you to produce apples because you're an apple tree. Yeah? admonish some are takers some are givers when they come to church some serve some don't serve it really doesn't matter it's how we do what christ has asked us to do and as a family it's how we respond to those that are in our family doing what they do yeah so admonish them love them into a place where people want to be an apple tree love them into a place where they want to be a pear tree love them don't chase them out love them encourage them Encourage them to be active. Encourage them to pray. Oh, I'm going through really. I'm going through this stuff, and I can't get it out of my head. And every time I wake, there's thoughts there. Really, you faithless? Like, do you even believe? No, you don't do it like that. Have you prayed about it? Yeah, I have. Well, what about if I pray with you right now? What about? Listen, why don't we hold hands while the COVID police aren't around, and and let's pray together? Yeah, why don't we do that and see? And see if God works, because we'll put the ball in his court. Encourage the timid. I love that. The Greek word that's translated here, I'm not even going to try to pronounce. It's like 13 letters, like my, my my surname. But it means, it's like olig. Yeah, it's really bad. Stephen, I should have come to see you to get a translation of it, mate. But it means faint-hearted or small, small courage. In other words, the discouraged. So as the family that are planted in God's house, if we see someone who's discouraged, it's our role to get alongside them, to encourage them, encourage them in their next step. They could be discouraged because their relationship's falling apart. They could be discouraged because they've lost their job and they don't know what's coming next. They've got bills that are still there that are stacking up. They just need someone to come alongside and be the apple on the apple tree yeah, and share their Jesus fruit in love. That's what we're supposed to do. But we don't want to be <laughs> like the example. You know, We, we know that it was the... The, the samaritan that stopped but we don't want to be the person that says oh you know jen you need some help wow well look you know i hope that works out for you yeah. we don't want to be that person do we we want to be so what's going on tell me a little bit more wow you know what i i actually think terry actually knows someone that could terry come over here for a minute let's see if we can work on this together as a family it doesn't always work out that way but if our hearts are in the right place yeah then we can encourage the discouraged because we're actually sharing the burden. Yeah, We're carrying it with them. We're supposed to shoulder it together. We're not supposed to let people... We're not birds in a big loft that just throw the kids out of the nest and hope that they fly. Splat! <laughs> oh, I must have been a day early. You know, we don't want to do that. If it was quail, at least, my mum would cook it in polenta with a red sauce. Anyway... <laughs> So we want to encourage those that are discouraged. Here, a dad joke warning. Um, Who likes peanut butter? Yeah? It needs to have butter on the bread first though, doesn't it? (gasps) Did someone say no? Out. The dad joke is this. In a church family, it's like this. Our encouragement is like peanut butter in the sandwich. The more we spread it, the better things stick together. Yeah, especially when there's butter first. I've shared this in church before. When I worked at, at MPART, the mission organisation, when I first started there, they had a whole stack of volunteers, but the the workplace itself was a, a little bit dysfunctional. It was super quiet. People weren't in relationship with each other, and I came on board as the the operations manager, but my first task there was to build a sense of family and unity. And so we started what we called Empath Angels. And during the course of the week, everyone got these special little notepads. And what we said to everyone, at least find one person that you can put something encouraging on that Empath Angel page and just put it on their desk when they're not around so they don't know it's you. And then at the end of the week, we would come back and get people to read that. It was actually, it it was phenomenal some of the encouragement. People would be in tears. What's sad is that all of us got lazy after a couple, two, three months and less people were doing it and eventually nobody wanted to do it and then it just ended. But could you imagine even here in this house if every week you just found one person to encourage and you actually sent them an encouragement. We've got phones, you can do it via text, you know, You could actually tell them face to face. Imagine if every week you got a different encouragement from someone else. Just someone that says, hey, I just love you. Saw you in church, loved the outfit that you had on. I was sitting next to you and I heard you sing. I was so glad that you were next to me because my partner, I was almost dying at their screeching voice, but you brought me into the heavenlies. You know, whatever it is. It's true. That's why you're glad that I sit at the front facing the team. You don't want me facing you when I sing. I hear the notes I miss. Look, I hear them. So I'd hate to think what anybody else hears. But encourage one another. That's what we're supposed to do. And and it's all of us, not just the leaders. It's part of God's family that, that are planted in his house. We all have a responsibility to warn the idle, to encourage the timid. We all have to help the weak. You know, I could go on and on with it. Because Paul's talking about those who are spiritually weak and he's literally saying, hold on to the weak. Don't let them fail. Don't let them fail. And there's a way to do that. You know, I have been so in your face when I was a young Christian with those that were spiritually when we talk about spiritually weak, who understands that our Christian walk is a journey? Yeah. You don't come to the Lord, put up your hand, say a prayer and all of a sudden you've got your stuff together. That doesn't work. Like, I love the line that it draws in the sand to say, this person's making a commitment for Jesus. But it doesn't mean that all, all of your faults and failures or worries or concerns or aches and pains are going to disappear overnight. It doesn't mean that Jesus can't do it on the spot there and then. But generally speaking, most of us, we grow in our walk and we grow into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Yeah, we, It happens over a, a period of time. So, someone who's spiritually weak probably means you know what they're only kicking off their relationship someone who's been married for 30 years generally speaking right is far better off down the track than the people that have just met and been going out for six months it's a journey we grow in the lord we learn how to be more like him he speaks to us he encourages us he challenges us for me, I don't know about you, but my God sometimes gives me a very gentle rebuke about some things. You know, hey, you know when you, when you said that to that person, you, you're a bit hard. No, it wasn't. And then God sort of just, my relationship with God sort of just looks at me as if to say, you, you're really talking back. <laughs> you, you, you're really questioning. Oh, yeah. All right. Or is that just what happens with my wife? I don't know. Anyway, it could be both. The point is we're supposed to love them, love them, get alongside them. What do you need? What are you struggling with? Don't expect, I don't understand this God stuff. I don't understand how it works. Like I see you come into church and you raise your hands and you're in the presence of God. That doesn't happen for me. That's okay. It doesn't have to happen for you like that. Give it time. Get to know God. Read the word. Don't let it go in here. Let it go in there. Sit with it. Let it germinate ruminate let it let it create something inside of us and see what holy spirit says and allow your faith to grow because we all grow from strength to strength glory to glory don't we that's how family works so help the weak help the weak Disciple them, encourage them, help them grow in their faith, help them to grow in their knowledge of Jesus. Help them to understand their identity as sons and daughters of God. I know that this is a small, just a small tweak of the words, and I know that some people would would bitterly disagree with me, but a sinner can't enter heaven. So I was a sinner saved by grace. But I came to the cross and Jesus saved me, and now I'm his son and daughter. I'm his son and/or daughter, depending on your gender, right? So I nearly got confused then. I am male. So go on. Anyway, so now I'm a son of God, yeah? Now, can I still make mistakes? Yes. Does that make me a sinner? No. What it means is I'm a son of God. Like my kids, you can make mistakes. They're still my son. Still my daughter. For me, don't ever call yourself a sinner again. Do you have the propensity to sin? Yes, you've got a propensity to make mistakes. We live in a fallen flesh. But I'm a son of God. That's how he looks at me. Because on the other side of the cross, I was a sinner. But not now. Not now. Now I'm a son. This is how we walk together. Help people understand their identity. Because when people understand who they are, they respond to God differently. God's not an ogre in the sky that's trying to slap sin out of your life. God's a loving father in the sky, if you will, that wants to embrace you back into family. And he loves you so much that he's going to deal with the issue of sin. That's how he works, yeah? Man, if I only dealt with sin, my kids wouldn't want a relationship with me if I only dealt with their actions. It doesn't work that way. Be patient with everyone, Paul goes on. If there's one thing we can all use is a little bit of patience, I imagine. And in a church family with all kinds of different people and with people that are from different places and different walks of life and coming from different denominations and have walked with Jesus longer and shorter and all that sort of stuff, we need patience. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. That's family. So the last time you were in a disagreement, did you calm the quarrel? Or were you stoking the, you know, and poking the bear? <laughs> what were you doing? This, is speak, this speaks to me too. Proverbs 16, 32, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes the city. This is a quality we all need in family. Just because the pear tree is bigger than the apple tree doesn't mean the apple tree is going to turn around and one of its branches is going to start slapping the pear tree because we've learnt that you know trees are shy and so if another tree touches another tree, it actually pulls away and stops growing in that area. It's not what we do so that you can grow and be bigger and better. <laughs> Some of you may have got lost in that but what we're supposed to do is be patient with everyone because if we're planted in God's house, this is how we're going to live together naturally our lives will usher in the glory of the king and so when someone visits you in your home or if someone visits us in this house when they walk in they are confronted by the glory of god what, what's going on i just I, I walked in i just felt welcomed and i felt loved did you that's awesome that's what we were hoping for that's what we were going for You know, you don't want to hear people say, I came in and I felt lost and, you know, no one really said hello and I felt uncomfortable. Did you really? Wow, we've been trying to perfect that for years, you know. But if we're the family of God, operating as the family of God, then that's what people will experience, full stop. Don't be vengeful, be kind. It says in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do good, what is good for each other and for everybody else. I remember one encounter with a Christian, and I apologized to them. I took them by the hand. And as I took them by the hand, they said, what the F do you want? And I said, I just want to say sorry. They go, it's too late for me now. It's too late now. You had your chance. What's coming is coming. And they walked out. I was here in my first two years. Wow. That's obviously how the family works. not. Yeah. You know how discouraging that was? That was really discouraging. I didn't know whether to cry or to preach a message or run outside and King hit him from behind. Like seriously, because we, we all have those decisions to make if we're real. Yeah, it doesn't go away. Anger doesn't go away. Perfect love casts out fear. The perfect example. Doesn't say it eradicates fear. Says it casts it out. So think of your life on a ship. You're living in perfect love with God. Fear comes along. God picks him up, throws fear overboard. But as the ship's moving, fear's swimming next to it. There's stuff in our life that will never go away. It will always be there, but it doesn't have to dictate your life. Yeah. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's for all of us, not just pastors. How can we love each other better even when we disagree? Now... Remember I made the comment earlier about those that didn't make a noise? (laughs) Now I'm coming for you in love. Be joyful always. Apparently the scripture says that. It says be joyful always. Now the reality is that can be tough. You've got a terminal diagnosis. You're waiting on scans to find out if a tumor is cancerous. You know, like the list could go on and on. You've been married for 10 years, 20 years. All of a sudden, your partner decides that the grass is green and off they go. Life can be really tough. Had a business partner and they stabbed you in the back. Like, you could just keep making up stuff as you go, couldn't you? But we're supposed to be joyful always. And the word always, it doesn't leave any room for debate. Like, you can't question that. If you'd like to question that, that's fine. Just rip it straight out of the Bible. Just take it straight out. It'll make you feel better. You'll never have to read that again. You'll hear it in church probably, but you'll never have to read it again. Be joyful always. But how can we be joyful always? How, how can joy be commanded when life sometimes feels like it sucks? It can because for me, joy comes from the inside and it's got nothing to do with what we're going through. In fact, joy is not the absence of trouble But joy is the presence of God. I love, I love his presence. I love, I love, I love your presence, God. I just love it. Because it's in his presence, his fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord shall be our strength. I love, I love. I had a little moment for myself. Just, man, God, I love your presence. You know? Is there anything better being able to come together as family and just let your guard down. Say, hey, God, I just, I love your presence. It's been a really tough week at home, at work, kids. My car, I want to blow it up, but I'm just coming with you. I just love, I love your presence. And I almost love the tenacity of the song that says, if you want it, then come and get it, for crying out loud, yeah? If you want it, come and get it. For crying out loud, I don't, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it, but I know one thing my kids were born and I would die for them. I don't know where that came from, I didn't have that feeling about anybody else. I love you guys, I'd do anything for you. Would I die for, for you? Maybe some of you, <laughs> but but when it comes to the kids, I don't have to think about it, it's just there an apple tree growing apples it's just there in family it just happens so joy is not the absence of trouble it's the presence of god and if we're planted and flourishing like a palm tree remember the palm tree the sand doesn't stick to the palm tree the crap of life doesn't stick to the palm tree the stuff that happens in our lives doesn't have to stick to us we make a choice we actually make a choice in jesus name hurts pains tribulations they don't stick to the child of god The German philosopher, I can never pronounce his name, but Friedrich Nietzsche, Nietzsche? is that right? Close enough. He actually said, there's a quote of his, towards Christians, and he was talking about Christians. And he said, I would believe in their saviour if they looked a little more like people who had been saved. That's pretty cutting, isn't it? Maybe the church, maybe the bride just has to remember that we're family. Maybe the bride just has to remember that we're supposed to love one another and forgive one another and care for one another and carry each other's burdens. Yeah, And in that, watch God restore one another. Maybe if we love the timid, encourage the discouraged. Maybe that quote would have been by far different back then. So I love our house. I love what we're building, but I want to encourage us. There are times where we struggle. Let's just remember some of this stuff. Paul goes on and says, pray continually, pray persistently, regularly, you know, get ready to pray. It doesn't mean, you know, repetitive mumbling prayers. There's nothing worse than going to someone's house and they're saying grace and by the time they're finished, the food's cold. Like, oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the food. Oh, just let me eat. (laughs) God knows your heart. Just pray, pray it. If I spoke to my wife like that, oh my goodness. If I spoke to my kids like that, by the time I opened my eyes, because I, I, you don't have to pray with your eyes closed, I just like that. By the time I, if I prayed like that or spoke like that with my kids, with my eyes closed, by the time I opened, they wouldn't be there. They'd be gone. You know? Oh, Father, thank you for Samuel. He'd already be sneaking away, yeah? Let's pray continually. Let's be a people that does that. When something comes up, something that we're worrying about, we've got a question or concern, let's pray about it. Let's be a family that's not concerned about ringing Joe Block. So I've got an issue. I ring Nick. Nick, I'm going through this. Can you pray? Can you just pray with me now and then keep it and uphold it in prayer? I don't have to be worried that Nick's going to go and run off and tell the world about it. We're family. That's what family does. You know, my mum rings up says, I've got to go to the hospital um, because my sister-in-law's there. What's happening with my sister-in-law? She tells me, I don't get off the phone and put it on social media. I was like, okay, I'll do something. How can I help? Yeah. So what family does. It just happens naturally. You bring a new baby home, you know, the, the missus has a child. I don't have to teach my kids how to love that child. They don't come along and start kicking it in the head. They want to pick it up and you're almost fighting to get it back. Yeah, they just know that you've got to love the new baby that came home. So when people walk into the house of God, it doesn't matter if they're richer, poorer, what they're wearing, what they're not, if they smell, you just love on them because it's a new child in the house. Yeah, That's how a family works. I'll finish with this because I've gone overtime because of Samuel. It's his fault because he didn't give me the timer. Give thanks in all, in all situations, in all circumstances. You know, saying thank you and showing gratitude is an awesome thing. It, it, in your family, do you ever feel that, that maybe your spouse or kids or parents have taken for granted the things that you do? Like, sometimes, sometimes, you c- we can feel like that. Mel and I have conversations like that, you know. When she's cooked 27 meals and I've cooked two, I feel like she's taken me for granted. No, No, so, no I mean the other way around. But the point is that we can talk about it because it's, that would be right for her to feel that way and then we should be able to talk about it. In a family, we shouldn't let things always get done by the same people. We want to, don't want to take each other for granted. We should be able to come alongside each other and help each other, regardless of what the need, the what, the concern is, yeah? You know, if we're to be honest, sometimes just a simple thank you can go such a long way to create a great atmosphere in, the, in any home, any house. We need to thank God more. We need to thank each other more. You know, we started our kids' church today for the first time this year. Um, I've got no idea how they're going because Mel looks after that and Jemima looked after all that. But you know what? Whether I've got kids in there or not, thanks, Jim. Thanks for all of that. Well, thanks for sacrificing your time. Thanks for blessing the kids. Thanks, Mel. I saw you doing that stuff during the week. That was taking you hours. Kids looked so happy when they came out. Thanks for that. Rather than just expecting it to be there because we're... At church, and they should have something for the children. Well, you know, we should have something so we can entertain the presence of God, and if that goes well enough, let's put something on for the kids. Yeah, let's keep God number one personally. (laughs) Let's just be a thankful people. Why don't we stand? If I want us to take away anything over the last couple of weeks, it's simply this. If we're planted, yeah, if we're planted, the church is a family. If we're planted, the church is a family. When you're not planted, you have no investment in that place or with those people, yeah. So if you're planted, the church is a family. Let's not take our family members for granted. Let's love those that we know and are getting to know. Let's love how peculiar and different and strange that they are, yeah, because we're not all the same. Not all of you dress as well as me. Except for Ray occasionally, which is really embarrassing because he's got the same shirt on. I'm not even checking underwear, but let's not go there. People will be offended now that I've gone there. Find someone every Sunday that you can just thank, you know. Hey, just thanks for coming. I'm so glad that you're here, man. I haven't, I haven't seen you, not in a bad way. I haven't seen you, and just seeing you today, you have made my day. Thanks for coming. Because we all bring, we're worshippers that bring our worship into the house. Yeah? And when we do that, we're like that fire cedar that just needs a spark. Man, we come in together, a fire cedar, the spark comes and bang, we're worshipping the Lord, we're hearing from Him, we're joking together, we're growing together, we're loving together, we're experiencing His presence together as a family. You know, be an M-Part angel. Send someone a note this week and encourage them. Try something different. Do it to someone that you wouldn't normally do it to, someone that you don't spend time with. Just give it a bill. See what happens. If you get a text back that says, "I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, don't be offended." It's happened to me many times. <laughs> but that's OK. Just give it a bill. But together, let's be a people that want to be planted, to allow our roots to go down deep, so that we can allow our parallel, our, our horizontal roots to go out and love on people, so that we can be so strange, so peculiar that those that meet us, whether it's in this house, whether it's at the shopping centre, whether it's in our workplaces, people will say there's something about you because you've encouraged them, you've loved them, you've lifted them up, you've helped them when they were timid, when they were afraid. yeah, when Because they, stri- they were a faith person, you helped them with their faith. They had a question about life. You just talked about your relationship with God and all of a sudden so- the penny dropped. Let's be a people that people that people for me i just want people to walk past this place and go man that's the church i met some of their people at windery shopping center and they were just off the charts they saw my daughter and she was crying and they went up and they just they they just helped her and they found us and they were just so lovely whatever it might be yeah let's be a people that are different and peculiar in jesus name is that all right Amen. Let's pray together. And then Stephen's going to play some music while we fellowship. Again, apologies. No coffee and tea yet because I haven't worked out how I'm going to do that yet. It's only February. You know, Christmas is coming. So Father, we thank you for this time together today. And we just pray, God, that Lord, we would be a people that desire to be planted in your house. Lord, that truly we would flourish like a palm tree. But God, also, also, that we would grow like a cedar of Lebanon, that we would be so peculiar and so strange that, Father, all the attributes, Father, all the characteristics of those trees, Father, all the characteristics that you mentioned, Father, we would exude them all, Father, people would see them, witness them in our lives and be attracted to a relationship with Jesus. Father, may we be a people that come to see men and women, families, youth, Lord, coming back into the house to, to love on you, restoring their relationship with you, Father, just walking with you again, Lord, that faith would be kindled, Lord, in Jesus' name. So we thank you for today and we give you all the glory. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have a magnificent Sunday in Jesus' name.